Welcome to Job Seekers Radio. I'm Andrew. And I'm Scott. This is a podcast dedicated to providing meaningful support to find great careers faster. Whether you're working or not, we're here to help you. We're coming to you today from the city of Portland. That is the city of roses, or as you may have seen from Portlandia, keep Portland weird. That's you know? right. So we'll, we'll try. To, we'll do our part. To do our part. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Today on Job Seekers Radio, we answer some of the common questions we've received since we started this podcast, and we wanted to give you those answers so that you know we're here to answer questions that you have directly. So let's just jump into the question and answer, shall okay. we? Absolutely. Um, the first question that we got are, let's see, what are some entry-level jobs that I can apply to? Uh, this actually came from somebody who's just starting out in their career, um, a young person, if you will. And so, um, I don't know, how would you answer that question, Scott? There are so many entry-level jobs out there. In fact, I think that's probably the majority of those that are posted. Uh, we'll talk in another podcast about job fairs, but that would be included. Uh, anytime you see an entry-level position, these are the, the, the majority of what's out there. Can you? Absolutely. You should apply to jobs if they are in your area of interest, if they are um, anything that is going to stir your passions, uh, the things that are, are within your skill set or even those entry-level jobs in an industry that you would love to work in and you know nothing about, entry-level jobs give you that initial viewpoint whether or not this is an organization you want to, want to work in, and it, it, the, the stakes are low. I think you hit on something really important there, and that is leaning into something that's of interest to you. I know I had a number of entry-level jobs uh, early on in my career, and I learned a little bit of something from each one of them, what I liked, what I didn't like. Right. So I wouldn't get too hung up on, is this a job I'm going to love? Just go by your interests. Find something that's, that maybe is uh, stoking your passion, but um, don't get caught up in, in whether or not this is going to be a perfect lifetime job. Right. Because those don't really exist anymore. And, and the assumption is you're starting off at an entry level and you maybe want to move up or move to something better. Right. Uh, so I would be more interested to know what activities are you participating in outside of the application um, to get to the job that you want. You also have to think about your own needs. Uh, my very first job was at a burr joint. Did I enjoy it? No. But I learned a lot from that experience. My second job was at a different burger joint. Um, again, did I love it? No. But I learned different things there. And my um, view of managing people is informed in part from those early jobs. So if you're approaching an entry-level job as a way for you to learn something new or to learn about the organization or to simply see if this is an industry that you want to spend any time in, it's all good. You also can be comfortable with the idea that if you're they're hiring you into an entry-level job, their expectations may be fairly low. So you're not going to be breaking anybody's bank if you leave after only a, a short time. Yeah, it's likely a lot of the entry-level jobs are high turnover, low pay. Right. So finding them is actually really easy. Um, you could go to Starbucks. I see help wanted signs everywhere. Um, you know, there's, there's the orange apron. You can wear one of those. Right. Working at the Home Depot or what have you. So there's lots of jobs that you can apply to. What I would suggest is 
go for it. Just go for Absolutely. it and you try have it nothing out. Nothing to lose. Yeah, try it out and see what you like and see what you don't. And and write that down. Write down what you like and what you don't, so that you know when you get to the next one. Hey, is this for me or not? Right. Another thing, if, if you're good at journaling, write down the skills that you're using in each job. So when it's time to update your resume, you've already got that in front of you. These are things that the, the skills that you will develop and practice in an entry level job will transfer to your next job. But you have to pay attention to what you're learning. Awesome. So the next question is, what potential career options are there for a person who really loves listening to music. Now, there was a second question that came in very similar to that, and it was around car enthusiasts. Mm. And, and so what a great segue. We talked about entry-level jobs and pursuing your passion. And uh, I don't know, how would you approach that kind of question, you know, uh, going after something you really enjoy? Think about your your own style. Uh, are you um, expressive and talkative? Are you more reserved? And in those situations, think about whatever interests you. And it, maybe it's music, but maybe you're the, the quiet type who really likes to simply um, absorb the music as opposed to uh, chatting about it and getting all excited when you're talking. The, the kind of job that you're applying for that fits your style is going to be one that you will end up enjoying more. If you are the expressive type, your friends or family are going to be telling you, wow, when you talk about that, you light up. The same can be true if you're not much of a talker, but the way your body language changes. Pay attention to these things because if you find work that taps into those feelings, you're probably going to enjoy it more. Now, it may be harder to find the jobs that pique your interest in the same way. So networking really is the best way for, for me to, to give advice on how do I find these jobs. Talk to people who are already in these jobs. And if you don't know, then start hanging out in the places where they might hang out. Say, for instance, you want to find out what it's like to be um, working in a theater on in the crew. Well, where do they go after the show? Be prepared to be there at 1, 2 in the morning, but hang out where they hang out. Start talking to them. Introduce yourself as being interested in what they do. They will be happy to talk about it. That's great. I would I would suggest the same. A, a more practical way to do it would be perhaps going to a resource like Onet or LinkedIn or even just the Google, right? Google uh, jobs in music or jobs for music or what have you. And I would just build a list of all the titles that would apply to listening to music that you're interested in. And then go talk. That's how you would identify people, sure. either on in the community, on LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever it is. You'll be able to identify people that are doing that kind of work and earning money. Right. Because I think behind this question, whether it's car enthusiast or music, it's, gosh, I really love this thing, but I can't see a connection how that would be a right. revenue generator or income source for me. And so that's part of the process is finding... So for me, I really love the career coaching, but I, that's not what my profession was when I started doing it. Uh, I was selling real estate, and I always had this assumption that, hey, if I wanted to be a career coach, nobody ever makes money at that. Uh, these people are out of work, and they're, you know, they're not you – know, so I had all these things in my head that I was telling myself. Right, fighting your own assumptions. You know, if you're in a position where you can volunteer and 
I would challenge anyone who is currently looking for work that they are probably in the best position to volunteer because their their uh, schedules are often more flexible as a result. But they're, again, going with the theater analogy, they are always looking for volunteers. I don't care what theater company it is. They are going to look for volunteers, whether it's ushers or anybody else. And this is the way to get in and start introducing yourself to people because it's the people that are going to hire you. The, the, the entity doesn't do the hiring. It's the people within it. Um, if you're thinking, you know, I'm a car enthusiast. Well, what about the races? What about um, anything involving cars? The the, the concourse, uh, you know, uh, antique car shows that they do. They they are always looking for volunteers, yeah. and you only have to volunteer a few times for people to remember you and then start talking to you about things that they do to earn money at it. Don't limit yourself in thinking, oh, well, that would never work, or that's not where people get jobs, or, oh, I'd never make money at it. These are things that hold you back. Nobody is telling you that on the outside. Yeah. So be sure to look at these these different um, industries or organizations that interest you. And if it's not obvious that they want to volunteer, ask them. If they don't have volunteer positions, ask if they'll do an internship. How do you get in? But make sure you know something about that organization or the industry so that when they ask you, why do you want to do this? You can answer that question intelligently. Yeah. Here's why I want to do right. this. And then because you... people respond to the why, yeah. not the what you do yeah. or the, the way you do it. Yeah. They, they will respond to why you do it. Right. From your uh, perspective. What I was hearing when you were talking, and, and this is something that was kind of, uh, I think when you look back at your career, you, you can see it this way. It's, it's almost like a scavenger hunt, right? You're trying to find mm -hmm. all these little breadcrumbs that lead you to the right place. Or uh, I also think of things like the Amazing Race, you know. Um, the, the cool part about the Amazing Race, though, is they know where they're going, right? Well, and so if they, they have it, some idea of how to get there, and yeah, there's a million dollars. Well, there, there's money there, yeah. <laughs> so, But if you think of it that way, hey, there's a million dollar opportunity for me. I just need to go find it. Yeah. I just need to go find it. And so think about this more like, uh, you know, I have this passion and I want to use it. It's going to, you're going to attract people just by putting that energy into the world, right. which is really weird to me. If you're um, having fun doing it, people will respond to that in very and, and positive ways. And they'll be totally ways. attracted to you. Absolutely. So just, you know, so sometimes it might be that you start off and, and I coached a guy um, years ago that, uh, he had this interest. He was a car enthusiast. He did motorsports photography and, you know, he just started with a blog. And so sometimes, you know, it may be something that you look at as a side hustle until you're ready to go that direction uh, and then stick with a, uh, you know, a more nine to five kind a of day thing. job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but find a way to just kind of itch your scratch so that you can then uh, at some point use that as a primary revenue source. So there's there's tons of books out there on that. Um, one that I think of is called uh, Quitter. It, it isn't what you think. It's by John Acuff. And I think there is actually a book called The Side Hustle. I, I, I don't know. But um, just Google. We'll put some show notes or uh, links in the show notes for, with some resources. Great. Uh, the next question is, okay, two job offers. Which do I choose? This is actually fairly common in today's marketplace because unemployment, as of the recording of this, is historically low so not uncommon even if you're working and you get a job offer you might get another one and right. a crazy market so that's a great question which do i choose and you are the only one that can answer it and you being the person asking the question 
Um, it is the probably the toughest call you'll make. When you think about it, though, that is the best position to be in because now you have some negotiating that you can do. If you let both parties know, I have multiple offers, they will probably tell you pretty soon whether or not they are in a position where they can negotiate, whether it's higher salary, better benefits, whatever that looks like. If they say no and the other one does and they are otherwise equal, then I would say that's probably the decision right there. Um, I always recommend to people that they go with what they what they feel. Um, we think about the, uh, the the two sides of the brain, and Simon Simon Sinek talks about this: the uh, emotional side of the or the emotional part of the brain that does not control language is the one that makes our decisions because every decision we make has an emotional part to it. And so the part of our brain that makes decisions is not the part that is associated or controls language. So it's difficult for us to say why we have a feeling. It's my gut reaction to do this. Pay attention to that gut reaction because it's going to be responding to all the things that you've picked up that are not associated with the words that have gone back and forth between you and the potential employer. What fits better? Which organization is going to be uh, serving that good feeling better and longer? Mm. Which ones have the better reputations? And Glassdoor.com is a great place to go to find out what people are talking about the organization from the inside. Follow your feelings on this and remember that life is a gamble. You may not choose the better option, but you have an opportunity to learn something from it. Great points. What I would add is, uh, I'm a firm believer in the um, the Benjamin Franklin. So you put a plus on one side of the page and a minus on the other, and you list all the pros and cons so that you can objectively evaluate each each offer independent of each other. Because what we tend to do is we tend to shopping we, need, we tend to do comparison shopping mm-hmm. rather than evaluating each one on its own merit. Okay, great point. So two things I would recommend: first, um, don't let the recruiter sway your decision because you're probably not going to be working with that person. They're just looking to get you on board so that they don't have to go find somebody else. Absolutely. So they're looking to save time, so they want you to say yes to the offer, okay? So when they ask you all the different conditions you want in the offer, they're asking that because they don't want to do a back and forth. They just want an acceptance, okay? Um, that's, so that's the first thing is, you know, in, evaluate each independent and don't take the uh, advice of the recruiter. Then I would look at actually each offer and say, can I see myself here for three years? Because that's about the average. And so somewhere around three years, would I say, okay, I could see myself investing three years here and being happy. Or I could see myself in, in this job for three years. Sometimes we look at it based on what we think about it today, not based on a three-year investment. Right. Um, so I think that helps you clarify things. What, you know, what's important to you is, is it, is it the benefits? Is it the, the flexible work schedules? And, you know, what are your non-negotiables? I think that's also something not, not to be missed. Right. Um, Another thing that I, I let people know, if they are really do have two very positive offers, don't destroy the relationship that you have with the person you don't choose or with the company that you don't choose. Keep in contact with them. I have known people. In fact, I have had the experience myself where I didn't get the job that I was going for with that, that company, whether it was the time that I... 
uh, opted not to take it and the other time I wasn't offered. But I went back to that organization when I saw another opening. And because I had kept the relationship positive and the lines of communications open, I ended up getting the job the second time. That's great. So once you make a choice, just make sure that you handle each one in your conversations with um, I, I wouldn't say kid gloves, just but but just uh, use a little bit of diplomacy, right? And, and say, you know, hey, I've got this other offer. I'm considering both. You know, what what areas are negotiable and which ones aren't? Right. Um, and a good recruiter knows the, the the rules of the game here. They're not taking any of this personally. Um, I imagine if you've really hit it off with both recruiters, one might be a little hurt. But again. This is part of what they do. They're accustomed to it. As long as you handle it in a professional, respectful, and very positive and friendly way, you're probably going to maintain that relationship. Yeah, and I wouldn't put it out of bounds to even contact the hiring manager. You know, at least keep the recruiter in the loop that you're doing that. But the idea here is, you know, you want to, you don't want to allow the recruiter to do the speaking for you to the hiring. Great point. In in that case. Great point. Um, So, so don't feel that's out of bounds because they're the ones that ultimately have the budget and the power to make that happen. Um, And so by the time you circle back with the recruiter, they've already been authorized to offer you what you're asking for. Right. So not a not a bad uh, philosophy there. I think the, the, the worst thing you could do when when you've got two offers is to make that decision in fear. Make it positive in both directions and you'll be fine. It's a good position to be in, truthfully, it to is. have leverage and, and to feel free to negotiate either way. I think that's a great feeling. Yep. So, I, I mean, I coach people to, hey, once you get an offer or, or you think you're getting an offer, you know what? Where's the next one? Because I want to have leverage. Um, so that's a, that's a good idea. Great. Next question. Uh, where do I start when thinking of a new career? Wow, that's pretty open-ended. It is. Um, this really prompts a coaching conversation. Um, a lot of questions that would come up about what what is it that, uh, you, first of all, do you already have some idea of where you'd want to go? What is it about your current career that you don't like? What do you expect to get from the new career that is going to be better or that's going to set you up differently? There are so many reasons to be um, less than satisfied in a current career, but that doesn't mean you should necessarily leave it. There's a great book about relationships that I would actually recommend uh, as reading for this situation where you're just not sure what you want to do. And it's called Too Good to Leave, Too Bad to Stay. And I don't remember the author's name, um, but we could get that into the we'll show notes. We'll put it in the show notes for um, sure. It, it, again, is about relationships. But the idea is that there are a lot of pros and cons. And if you try to balance them, well, th- this option is has these positives. The other option has those positives. Well, the importance of those various factors change in terms of their importance or their value or the weight in the moment. And so it's a constantly moving target. Instead, take a diagnostic approach Mm -hmm. to that search of what the outcomes might look like and then really put a lot of thought into it. Talk to people who know you well and trust you and that you trust in return and have the conversations about what if. What if conversations are really beneficial as long as you remember that the potential outcomes you've discussed aren't sure? Good. 
what I would recommend is this is typically a response to dissatisfaction in a current job. And so you're starting to think, gosh, you know, uh, I'm kind of stuck here. I need a job. I need an income, but I don't know how to start. And so that's typically a response into what uh, a job that you don't like. And what I would always suggest is don't look at the portion of the job you hate or don't like. Exactly. Look at the portion of the job that you do like and seek out opportunities that leverage that. Now, you could, sometimes you can, if you have a receptive organization, they'll actually listen to you, which is uh, uh, likely, hopefully, if they're a good organization. Well, if they're and, taking employee engagement into consideration, uh, yeah, they are if going they're to asking, to you. exactly. I mean, tell them, of course, and say, hey, you know, I'd really like to move this direction with the role. Uh, I see my strengths in this area. And if it's not in alignment with your current job, then you say, well, which one is it? And maybe I can make a transition to mm-hmm. that space. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, then you can look outside. Right. And so uh, I think sometimes we don't think of our own employer or our own uh, current situation as a fertile playground. And so sometimes we look at it as a grind or just a place to show up and collect a paycheck. Let's look at it as a fertile playground to exercise our strengths and, and take uh, control with of that, that situation. With that exact idea in mind, I would then say if you're doing that, then it's probably good to start thinking of a new career early. And the reason I say that is because if you are not really dissatisfied, but you're beginning to wonder how long that might last, when you shift your focus to the positive, the things that you like about your current job, you're probably going to get re-engaged a little easier. You're going to do those tasks with a little more enthusiasm. That change in your attitude is going to make you look better at work. It's going to make you look more attractive to other potential employers. So this really is a way to change your perspective without having to change the career. But as you're looking at these positives and you're thinking you could get those same positives, but more of it in another career, now you're actually answering the question for yourself. Again, I come back to that idea of the coaching conversation about asking you for the thought behind what's going on and and really looking at answering these questions um, in a more holistic view rather than just, oh, well, I'm tired of this job or I'm getting dissatisfied. Well, I mean, we don't know all the circumstance behind the question, so we're doing the best we can to cover as many uh, facets of it as possible. Uh, The other thing I would suggest is if you're starting from zero and you really don't know, not a bad idea to take some assessments, MBTI, DISC, Standout, StrengthsFinder, StrengthsQuest, whatever it is, Enneagram, any of those. The more you take, the, the clearer picture you'll get of who you are. And that might actually uh, help you through that process of deciding, okay, I I should go this direction or not, or this is who I am and who should I talk to about it. And, you know, uh, sometimes a question could lead to more questions. Absolutely. So just seek seek out the answers to the questions you have currently. What's the next question here? How do I find out what field I belong in? I think that's a similar related question. Yeah, I would, I would. It's more an execution. Yeah, it's more an execution of the the prior one. We've we've well, kind of covered and, that. And but. there are just to to sort of tie into what you had just said. There are so many aptitude tests and uh, online assessments that can provide some suggestions on what you might be good at. Most of them are really just for entertainment purposes, but if it prompts an idea, especially one that you hadn't considered before, then why not? 
explore the idea. There's nothing that is going to tie you to the wrong horse here. Um, what have you got to lose? Do, I would. I, I think the the online assessment is a good idea. Yeah. I, I well, looking at this question, what field do I belong in? I think that's more related to uh, maybe industry. And so sometimes you may have a skill set, and you're like, ah. I don't know which field I belong in, or this could be a response to somebody leaving high school and saying, okay, well, I'm talking about field because I want to pick a major in college and so sure. forth. And, you know, I, I still think the best way to find out what field you belong in is to go talk to people that are doing it and, and model them and say, hey, what is this job like? What does your day-to-day -day look like? Mm -hmm. What's important to you? What skills are in, involved? Um, how would you recommend somebody build that skills to get to your level? Well, and we talk to people all the time who aren't sure what they want to do when they grow up. And they're well into adulthood. I'm still in that spot. <laughs> but the thing is, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There are, some people know what they want to do right out of the gates, and they do it, and they do it well. Some of them make money. Some of them never do. It's not the point. They're doing what they love. And I think that's great. But there are as many people, I think, who have no clue what they want to do because they enjoy so much about life or they haven't found the thing that really clicks with them. The, the only thing I can tell them is keep looking, keep trying, try something new, try something you haven't done before because eventually you're going to either find the thing that really does click and regardless of how old you are when that happens, it's a joy to, to behold and it's a joy to experience. And if you never get there, mm -hmm. think of all the things that you have learned and yeah. done. And all the people you've met. And, and, exactly. Yeah. There is nothing unfulfilling about looking at the, 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 the enormity yeah. of what you've done, even if they don't necessarily Good point. relate. So I look at it too, is that you shouldn't put a condition in front of you doing something. Meaning, hey, if you think you should be in a field, go try it. Don't put a condition. Well, I would do that if, right, right, if I had the skill or if I had this or, you know, presupposing that you don't have the skill to do that job. Well, just go do it and see what happens, right. you know? Uh, so sometimes we put these, you know, and that might be a response to somebody too that's like, ah, oh, I'm in the wrong field. Well, what is it do you do like about the field you're in? So right. it's kind of that same line of questioning we had yep. uh, from the previous one. So let's go to the next question. Uh, how do I transition out of social work to being a business analyst? Wow. Those couldn't be two different things, really. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I would actually take it from the perspective, how do I go from A to B or, or, or some profession to another profession? Right. So um, I would actually take it from the perspective of, you know, maybe look at the social work you're doing now, what you like about it, and see what the overlaps are with business analysis. So whatever profession you're in, look at all the stuff you like about it and see which of those skills could be applied in, in the, the one that you're seeking. Now, My first question back is why do you want to make that change? Because there, there's probably a really good reason. Oh, it probably has it. to do with money. So, let you know, that, many it, of the social could, workers I know either get paid little or no money, volunteer position, what have you. Right. Many but business analysts, if they have technical skill, are earning a lot more money. If we're getting a specific question that is between two things with that kind of diversity between the two, if that isn't just a, an analogy... Uh, but they really want to, how do I make this transition? Well, there are a lot of questions that go into this, all the whys. Um, what is it about business analysis that, that really gets you going? Does psychology work in business? 
Absolutely. Would that be something that you could get into the corporate psychology field? Yes. There are a whole bunch of connections that could be made there, but to find the right one, you've got to ask yourself a lot of whys. And that brings me to the five whys as a, a principle. I don't remember where those come from because I've been using it I for so long. I think it's Six Sigma, isn't it? It, it, it might could be. be a, yeah. But... Um, I, I, I was introduced to them many years ago, and it's just become a part of, of what I do. And it's not that you ask just the why. Uh, somebody so why says behind something, the you, why? You say why, behind and then the they say something else, and then you ask why, because now that's more of an interrogation. But you're looking to dig deeper into the why to get to the root Basic cause human need or, or the, the, the desire. Need. Exactly. Okay. So as you're asking yourself these questions, really dig deep to find out why you want to make this decision. If it is, in fact, about the money, I'm going to challenge you in a different way because people, generally speaking, I, I can't speak for every, everyone. There are certain individuals who are, but most people are not actually motivated by money. They are motivated by what money represents mm. for them, whether that's security that's good point. or flexibility or whatever that might be. So if you're looking at moving to becoming a business analyst because it makes money, yeah. what does the money represent for you? It's so funny you bring that up because I just read an article this week that is similar to that, but it says up to a certain um, income, money is a motivator. Sure. And it's up to, they said up to about 80000 I don't know where that number comes from, but up to a certain point, let's say, in this article it was 80000 um, you're motivated by money because you have to meet the basic human need right. that, that Maslow, you know, all yep. those psychological things. But well, once... And we know that medium income is not keeping track with cost of living in most of the United States. And so, yes, that's going to be a motivator. But again, based on the research that I'll admit is more than a couple of years old, if the primary motivator is money and that's really what's driving you, I would still question why it is the primary driver. With that said, if I am looking at uh, the opportunity to make 80000 and right now I'm only making 60000 then yes, that's going to motivate, motivate me towards doing something in that direction. But it's not really about the money. It's the comfort. It's not having to worry about my next paycheck, uh, being able to save a little bit. Maybe I want to buy a house or buy a new car or the whatever that might new be. shoes, yeah. you know, whatever it is. That's really what's motivating us. And an income that is sufficient to meet those needs is the motivator because we want to meet the needs. Right. I get it. In this case, social work to business analysis, we hit that one. But in any case, when you are looking at another opportunity, just to summarize what you said, find out the reasons why you want to do that exactly. thing or why you've identified that thing. Is it um, out of envy, right? Ooh, is it, good is question. It, uh, is it out of, you know, so there's always a human emotion behind it. Is right. it out of vanity? Uh, is it that you just can't take the grind of social work? Because truthfully, you're probably dealing with tough the, the, the toughest sections of society, right. and that might just burn you out. And not, that's not to say to... that business analysis wouldn't also burn you out, but right? it'll be different. But it's the grass is greener kind of philosophy, and, and good point. You know, if if you're going into it with that mindset, then you really have to um, self reflect. Yep. So in, in most of these cases. All these questions, interestingly enough, could benefit from some amount of self-reflection, understanding why this is coming in, and um, yeah, I think that's... And with all of these questions, if you have the ability to hire a job coach, 
I really recommend it. This is someone who is is impartial and will ask you questions about your thoughts, your motives, your self-imposed limitations, and who can help you think of things differently. Not that you are right or wrong or anything else. It's not about the judgment. It's about someone who is going to prompt your thinking in a new direction so that you can find your own answers. Um, career coaches, job coaches, life coaches, all of these people are able, even conflict coaches, they are able to help you think of things differently so you gain a different perspective and can answer a lot of your own questions. And if you have a question that we didn't answer today or, or want to have us answer on a future podcast, by all means, go to jobseekersradio.com. There's a little connect link at the top of the page we're more than happy to respond to your message, either uh, directly if you want to have it done privately, um, or we can actually answer it on the podcast with your permission. We're, we're more than happy to do that. So that'll do it today for this episode of Job Seekers Radio. It was really fun answering your questions. Um, if you want the show notes and everything else that goes along with this episode, hop over to jobseekersradio.com forward slash zero two zero. If you, have a, if you have a second, could you go over to iTunes and subscribe so that you can get future episodes? In fact, if you want to binge listen to the whole thing, you could probably download them all. I mean, I, I wouldn't put that past somebody. But while you're there, if you could rate and review our podcast, that would really help us spread this message of encouragement for people that are out of work or maybe looking to be better in the work that they're doing. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. We do appreciate it. I'm Scott. I'm Andrew. And this is Job Seekers Radio. Bye-bye.